What's up and welcome to Career Insights 501. This is your host, Dr. Loso, and today we have our, I guess, first special guest of the spring, summer. I've been gone a while, so today we have with us Jillian Fumes, um, and she is a, you're, is it a technical project manager? Technical product manager. Technical so, product manager, okay. Yeah, which is so, distinctly different. It is distinctly different. I've I've had a lot of project managers on here, so um, um, that's why I kind of got a little confused. But uh, welcome to the show, Jillian. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. So let's start off um, first by letting the people know just a little bit about you. Um, not necessarily, you know, your profession, because we're going to get into that. But just tell us what ma makes you the awesome person that you are. Oh, gosh, I wasn't actually prepared for that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst at, like, you know, hyping myself up anyway. Um, yeah, so same I guess here. Things to know about me, I am super into tech, not surprising, given my career path. Uh, but outside of that, I think what really makes my brain tick is, like, marrying tech with creativity. Uh, mm. So outside of work, I'm, like, super into, like, creative projects and like painting and drawing and woodworking and anything that I can like build and get the creative juices flowing. Um, that's what really like makes my heart happy. Um, outside of that, I am also like super into working out and I do a lot of um, weightlifting and MMA training and that sort of thing. And yeah, that combined with work pretty much takes up all the time. So that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's what's up. Um, so we have Brandon on here earlier he was one of the first guests on the show he's a mma fighter so that's pretty cool awesome. i used to do um some kickboxing but i wouldn't go as far as to say mma um so um how often do you train when you work out so i've most recently kind of fallen off in the last couple months so <laughs> if my coach is listening he's probably like shaking his head uh, for a while there, so I tend to get like very hyper focused on new things. I love new big challenges. So going into like training MMA, like I knew almost nothing. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, I've got to get good at this thing. And so I was going uh, two to three hours a day, six to seven days a week. Oh, wow. Uh, in the days I wasn't in there, I was like, we would go up to the dunes and run and I'd run just outside I you know during the summer I was doing like a 3k a day just to like get my miles in and yeah mm -hmm. so I've got a little bit of a problem where I like maybe go a little too hard when I start something <laughs> new <laughs> yeah I was about to say like you say you were really into working out a lot of people say they're really into stuff but you are really into um to working out so yeah that's... when I get into something there's no like a half in half out I'm I'm all in yeah. or I'm all out <laughs> That's what's up. Um, have you done any like Spartan races or anything like that? I haven't, but I just seen that there's coming to Chicago is um oh I forget what it's called. It's like the it's not a mudathon. Maybe it is Tough a Mudder. Tough Mudder. That's yeah. the one. Mm -hmm. I just got an ad for that and I was like, Oh, that looks like fun. I so, did it, it was pretty cool. Oh, did you? You liked it? Yeah. I like it. I, I, I like the Tough Mudder. I feel like that one was more of a um, a team thing, like just from looking mm -hmm. at the people and how they were out there working, teamwork and like pulling each other over stuff. And the Spartan race was just kind of like 
fuck you. I'm out here to get my best time. And, and they were just leaving people behind in the dust. Like it was some teamwork and helping people out there. But Spartans, I think it's kind of like the more serious one um, that people really go to be competitive out there. Um, okay, cool. But they're both yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, the, the Tough Mudder caught my attention because it just looked like, like I'm not into running. Like I, I love yeah. working out. I hate running. Yeah, I just same. do it for like the... I get really into like David Goggins and all that and like mental toughness. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do it just to like torture myself on purpose, I guess. Uh huh. Yeah. But, I just yeah, started. Have... Recent... Oh, so go ahead. I was just saying I started listening to his ebook. I, I have to finish it up. I've been so busy, but yeah. Oh, is it the Can't Hurt Me? Yeah. Oh, I love that book. One of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, that's what got I was me. reading the I... reviews. Sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> Oh, no, I was just going to say the the only I he's the one that like got me to be like, all right, I even though I hate it, I got to do it anyway. But the mm-hmm. only races I've done are um, I mean, I've done like a couple of local ones, but I usually do the St. Jude every year he has a okay. race and you raise money for it. And, um, you know, St. Jude is an amazing, amazing foundation. So, yeah, but that's the only is one I've done. Like 5K? Yeah. Just uh, okay. I think maybe they have a 10K, but mm. yeah, it's pretty pretty low stakes there yeah (laughs) (laughs) cool um so yeah that's pretty interesting i'm I'm kind of the same way i'll get caught up into something so i haven't really been working out the way that i need to so my thing is that i still go to the gym almost every day but what happens is my diet like i get so caught up with work and like i'm trying to create a card game now and i was like really adding a lot of content to my website and um, before that I was trying to add, do the second version of my book so second edition so working out just wasn't a real priority as far as like meal prepping and I have to eat a lot of calories because I have a high metabolism um so I was like man I'm not looking like I used to so I gotta I gotta <laughs> I gotta focus so I'm trying to get some of this stuff done so I can um get back to where I want to be I thought I was going to have the the body that i wanted by my birthday but that's june the 30th so that's not gonna happen um so i've just come to that that's everyone's nemesis is the the food aspect of it oh yeah yeah so so um tell the guests a little bit about your um your job now so what exactly does a um technical producer do so i am a technical product manager And yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Lots of very similar names in tech, but like that product project name like throws everyone off. I've even <laughs> seen like job descriptions that are like you read through it and it says product manager, I'm like, but you're looking for a project manager for yeah. sure. Um, anyway, so a product manager, what we're really doing is we're kind of the middleman that's listening to both the customer needs and the business needs and marrying those things together to determine what strategy and the future vision of a particular product is going to be. So for example, you know, the company I'm at now, we're a series A startup called Canopy. We do the ledgering and system of record behind credit and lending products. So imagine Mm -hmm. you are about to, you're like, hey, I want to launch a credit card. We would do all the ledgering and calculations and math behind that. so if you were, you know, a, the owner of that company, you need that ledger, but you also need like all these ancillary products to support your overall business. 
So Canopy wants to provide as many tools as possible to make you a great operator of your lending program. Um, so my job is really to figure out the strategic direction that we should go and build our product out in. Like, what should, what are the new products that we're going to launch? What are the features that we're going to include in it in the products that we already have today? What features are we going to expand to support our customers? So kind of being that, that middle, um, if you think of like a hub and spoke, we're kind of that middle man that's kind of got our tentacles kind of everywhere. In <laughs> yeah. Kind of okay. have an ear out everywhere. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, so I know you're really big into like, like the tech, like you said earlier, as a manager. And so that's part of my thing as far as like moving up is I feel like I wouldn't get to do as much as the thing that I like. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you find yourself not being as technical as you would like to be sometimes in your in your um, management position? I actually don't. So okay. I, I did have that fear. So my background, um, this is my first fully product role where like my title is product manager. Mm -hmm. But before this, I spent nine years as a software engineer. And so it was definitely like making that jump was very, very scary to be like, am I going to lose all my technical skills? Like I've spent my whole life and career, like building up this engineering mm -hmm. background and experience. And now like, it's kind of, it's hard to like, let that go. Um, yeah. But I specifically wanted to go to a startup for part of that purpose. So there are product managers, like purely product managers, not at a tech company, nothing to do with tech. But I was fortunate to find like this technical product manager role where they really did need someone that had that tech background. Mm -hmm. um, and also being a startup, what I love about it is that you aren't cornered into a particular yeah. thing. So I have so much autonomy and freedom to be like, oh, I'm going to tinker over here today. I'm going to go play with this. You know, maybe today, not feeling it. I'm not going to do any kind of technical work. But I do do a lot of like prototyping, low code stuff, um, mm -hmm. just to, like anything I can take off of the engineer's plates. And, you know, maybe we are thinking about launching a new product. But we don't have a lot of validation behind it. Like, mm -hmm. we think this is going to be useful, but we don't want to dedicate the resources to it. Like, I'll spin up, like, a low-code type of thing where I get to, like, kind of just tinker in, like, JavaScript, HTML, like, basic stuff, um, spin something up. But the other big thing for me, like, how I, like, kind of keep my skills sharp is when you're coding all day long, the last thing you want to do is come home and code more. Like, you think you do, and then you get home, and you're like, no, I'm... I'm done. I don't even want to look at a screen. You know, at the beginning, I mentioned how into like creativity I am. Mm -hmm. I probably I've got docs in my phone. I've probably got like a thousand ideas. I'm like, oh, we should I should like build this. I should do this thing. Um, So now I actually have like that energy after work to like, oh, you know, I'm feeling like being a little more technical today. So I'm always I always got something on the side that I'm playing with and coding yeah. away at. So kind of works nice. out. That's that's really good. I um uh, like just thinking about my situation, and I think I'm glad you brought that up about the um working from I guess a more of a structured company or a corporate company, and going to a startup because there is a lot of that freedom from what I what I've he heard, um, 
compared to corporate America, because like if I'm looking at my situation now and looking at my boss and if I were to go for her role, um, if it were to ever become open, it would be kind of like I would be stuck in meetings all day and that would just be like, yeah, I, I get it, but I just wouldn't want to sit in meetings all day and take notes. And so, yeah, um, so that's that's my thing. It's just kind of like um, losing those skills or, you know, not being on top of really what's going on in your field or profession without actively going out and doing that stuff outside of all the meetings and crap you have to deal with as a manager in these big corporations. So let's take it back a little bit. Um, what put you on the technical path as a young lady, little girl growing up, you know, from like, I don't know, when did it start for you? When did you find out that you were interested in when you kind of like um, sixth grade or high school or as a college thing? What's the story behind that? That's a great question. I can't like pinpoint one exact moment, but um, like, so my earliest memory, I can remember saving up like any money I got from birthdays, Christmas, whatever, for a long time. And then I found this computer in, I think it was the newspaper, like an old used computer, <laughs> but it came with like, oh my gosh, this is, this is crazy. I haven't thought about this in so long. It came with like a thousand CDs of like Encyclopedia Britannica and <laughs> clip art and yeah. Oh my gosh. I totally forgot about that. It was $300 and that was our first computer. And to connect to the internet, we got a CD in the mail from AOL <laughs> to install AOL to get on the internet. So like that was my first time that I was like, you know, showed an interest, I think, in tech. But mm -hmm. You know, as um, time went on, obviously, internet got better and we upgraded <laughs> computers, yeah. thankfully, because that thing was a dinosaur. <laughs> but um, I think when I really first got into coding and knew it was a thing was, if you remember, like, MySpace mm -hmm. days and you would, like, customize your MySpace layout. Yeah. Like, I was the go-to person. If you're like, hey, I want a custom MySpace layout. I can't find anything out there. Like, I was the person you go to. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world to, like, that I could type letters on a computer. And then all of a sudden, it made these designs and stuff. Yeah. I just thought I was, like, rocket scientist at, like, 12 years old. So... That's so yeah. funny you bring that up because I was just over somebody's house for Memorial Day and we were talking about a lot of tech and stuff and they brought up the exact same thing. They were saying how with MySpace, we were actually coding and we didn't know that we were um, coding back then. And I was like, oh, no wonder I didn't like MySpace um, because for me, it was just so foreign. It was just like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing on MySpace. And when yeah. Facebook came, I was like, I'm glad they didn't follow that whole like customization thing. I know a lot of people wanted Facebook to be able to be customizable like um, MySpace, but that's that's interesting. Yeah, so you know, MySpace might need to get some props in the coding world because I think it it might have gotten a lot of people into um, coding. Um, it honestly probably did, but um, yeah, yeah. After that, I didn't even know it. This sounds so silly in hindsight, but I didn't know that was a career. Genuinely, mm -hmm. did not know. Like I grew up in an area like we just, I just didn't have a lot of outside world yeah. experience I you know we didn't I, like neither of my parents went to college like, I just I had no idea like the 
the only computer class that my high school offered was keyboarding. Mm. So it wasn't yeah. even a thought in my brain that, hey, this thing that I do for fun could be a career. Yeah. Yeah. So when I actually first applied to college, I'm, you know, I'm 18. I have no idea what I want to mm -hmm. do. I just picked whatever random major sounded somewhat. Generic, yeah. Yeah. So I signed up as psychology. Zero mm. interest in psychology at the time. <laughs> I'm like, well, I got to pick something. Like it was, you know, my parents were like, you're going to college. We didn't go. You're going. Not an option. Find uh, something. Yeah. And um, it was like a month before school started. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, what am I going to do with my life? I don't like psychology. So I'm like scrolling through. I went to Purdue Lafayette. Mm -hmm. So I'm like scrolling through their website. And I seen um, like a couple different computer based majors, you know, they have like pure computer science. Um, but I seen one that was what I ended up going for, which is computer information technology. Mm. And it was like, if you want to be a graphic designer, a game developer, you want to do robotics, database, web development, like the whole gamut, like anything you want to do in computers, you can come here. Your first two years are super generic, kind of covers everything. And then you mm -hmm. niche down your last two years. And I'm like, oh, well, that's, yeah, that's it for me. Like, that's perfect. <laughs> like, it brought up the MySpace thoughts. And then just in general, I'm I'm definitely more of a generalist than I am, like, a deep expert in one area. Like, yeah. my curiosity gets sparked by everything. You know, like I said, mm. in the beginning. anything yeah. new and exciting, I will go down <laughs> a rabbit hole until I've, like, just beaten the topic to death. And yeah. so I was like, oh, I could do everything in one major? Like, sign me up. <laughs> So that's pretty cool because I, I think that um, with a lot of the younger listeners or just the younger people out here going to college and picking careers now that um, even in those small rural areas, because I grew up in a small rural area um, and I don't know if your area was necessarily rural or, or what, but um, I didn't have a lot of exposure to a lot of those things. So if it didn't come on PBS, I, I didn't really know about those more advanced things. You know, you go to college for business or like say psychology psychology or be a sociologist or you know math or some physics and I was like I know that's not for me like those like STEM majors except it was probably seem at the time because I don't think technology was as as big um so just science engineering and mathematics um <clears throat> so like for me I think my first exposure to computers was like Sesame Street and they had this segment on here where they was like you got to see my new computer come and check it out and the kids were like microscopic and they were like jumping around on the keyboards and inside the computer like they had the green screen and all that so and that's how I kind of got into um computers but like three two one contact and just a lot of stuff that like I said came on PBS exposed me to a lot of um stuff because my mom she didn't go to college my dad went to college but um we didn't have any type of relationship growing up and you know all my cousins and aunts and uncles well, my aunts and uncles, they didn't go to college either. And uh, my cousins, some went, but it really wasn't that coming back and, and telling, you know, oh, this is how college is. You should go and do this and don't do that. So it was kind of like first generation, in a sense, with me and my brother. So I have a twin brother. So we just kind of had to figure out everything on our own. So it's just a different time now, you know, how people don't even have to go to college to get coding jobs. They can go to a boot camp or get certifications and just get a high paying job or a decent paying job just like that you know where we are here four years in college trying to figure out 
oh, well, let me change my major now that I found out about this thing. And, you know, kind of putting you back a little bit. And so it's, it's definitely interesting to look and see how much the world has changed so much in all these different areas with the onset of um, computers and I would say especially high-speed internet. Um, but, yeah, like they don't know. Do you see the things on social media about like the AOL, like the dial-up noise when you used to dial up? And it's like, can you name the sound? Do you know what this? I always find that funny because, um, yeah, you had to listen. And when it didn't connect, when it didn't make that like noise that you knew it connected, you was like, oh, like, I got to do this over again. And, and then so, you're on the internet and someone calls. Calls. And they're going, get off the internet. We need the phone. I'm like, no, I'm talking to my friends. <laughs> oh, my, my aunt would call my mom. I've been trying to call you. They probably back there on that internet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, So, let's talk a little bit about your, your professional um, history and journey and how you got to where you are now with Canopy because you say you were a coder for nine years mm-hmm. was that all at one company hi my name is Jillian Funes and you're listening to Career Insights 501 with Dr. Loso no I mostly been a full stack software engineer but I've kind of okay. taken a little bit of different paths throughout that so prior to Canopy I worked at two other companies Um, Straight out of college, I went to a large Fortune 500 company. Um, Ironically, I didn't grow up in a rural area, but it was, uh, so I grew up like 40, actually like 30 minutes outside of the South Side of Chicago in Northwest Mm -hmm. Indiana. Um, And you didn't really, I I don't think I knew anyone that went to college. It was like, you got into trades. You went and worked at the steel mill. Like everyone, that was the thing. If you went and worked at the steel mill, that was a good career and we were just happy with that. Um, And so that's what my dad did growing up is he worked in the steel mill my entire life. And he was like, you're going to college because I do not want you to work in the steel mill. Like I want a better life for you. So the ironic part of the story is that I did go to college, but my first job out of college was the steel mill. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I worked for for the IT department. Um, There's a really large global corporation called ArcelorMittal. It's um, a huge, huge company, one of the biggest deal makers in the world, headquartered out of East Chicago, Indiana. So that's where my first job was out of school. Um, and I was just, you know, full stack software engineer building uh, internal order management systems, custom, started working on, I got to work on quite a few like cool things while I was there because they were really big on like, trying to stay up with emerging technology. So I got to build, you know, this is like 10 years ago almost now. So I got to work on like the first chat bot for the company. I got to build my first Google app there. I got to work on my first ever business intelligence solution. So I got to work on some cool things. Um, Nice. Yeah, but I moved up pretty quickly. So it was, I was there for two years and yeah, I think it was about two years. And then I moved into um, kind of a dual role where I was a team manager. So I had four direct reports, but I was still doing like coding at the same time. So kind of a, mm-hmm. like I said, a dual role. Um, and then I think you mentioned it at the beginning where you're like, oh, this is like being a manager is not for me. That's <laughs> totally how I felt at the time. Like I'm way, this is not for me right now. You know, I've only been out of school for, you know, three years at this point. 
Like I really wanted to hone my engineering skills. So I did that for a little bit and I was like, I, I need to kind of take a step back. So I uh, switched roles in or switched companies completely, went and went back to being a full stack software engineer at um, a smaller company um, where we sold uh, credit card terminals. Mm-hmm. which was um, like a very interesting portion of like the fintech industry. Mm-hmm. So I got to do some some cool things there because it was super duper small. Um, and that's kind of when I realized I was like, oh, hey, I really like being part of a smaller company where it's just like there's these big problem spaces to explore and there's not all this like existing infrastructure and tooling. It's just kind of kind of figure out yeah. these big problems to solve. And I loved that. Um, mm-hmm. I also got to work on because there was only, it was me. Um, for a little bit, there was two other engineers on my team and our manager uh, eventually went down to just me one and one other guy. There was no graphic design department. There was no product management. There was no project management. There was no database. It was just us. Yeah. So like, hey, Jill, there's a problem. And I got to design it. I got to code it. I got to do the database architecture. I got to do any and all graphics associated with it. Like, and I love that. You know, some people would be like, oh, it's not my job, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not doing that. That's not part of my role. Or I'm like, no, no, give it to me. Like, I want to <laughs> do all the things. Um, so that's kind of when I I didn't know that product was a good fit for me but that's kind of when I started realizing more that I liked more of that generalist feel um and then we ended up getting acquired by a payment processor and they had the product role they had the graphic designers they had all those things and I'm like ah, pretty sure all those things are going to get taken from me eventually and it's going to be like you're just a straight up coder like you know we have other people that are dedicated to these other roles so I was like starting to, you know, think through what do I want to do with my future? Do I want to kind of roll the dice? Am I going to find another place that's going to let me be a coder and do all these other things? Um, And that's when I started looking into product management. And I'm like, that actually seems like a way better fit for me, where I kind of get to be a little bit everywhere. I get to work with marketing. I get to work with sales. I get to work with the engineers. I get to work with the designers. Like my personality is just more of a generalist. So I yeah. thought that was a much better role. I sat on it for like a year. Cause like I said, in the beginning, when you're giving up like the thing you've worked your entire career to become <laughs> is very, very scary. But um, so I sat on it for a year, finally took the plunge and here I am now. Um, I guess the one thing I left out is that I did do a little stint on moonlighting on the side with a couple of friends from my first role um, running our own startup. But obviously I'm still working a day job, so that didn't work out. But it was fun, <laughs> learned a lot. And yeah, I've kind of done every role you can think of a little bit in some capacity. Nice. That's an interesting um, story there. You know, but I think, you know, with the thing not working out with you and your friends, you know, having your startup that you could take a lot of that skills and experience to your current role at um, Canopy. So what does your daily look like at Canopy? I know you say you just kind of like do a whole lot of different things. Um, 
but kind of like explain to people because I, I think a lot of people have a good idea of what a job would look like in a corporate setting but um st- startups well first of all let me ask you this how did you find your role at canopy and if you've already explained this please forgive me because i <clears throat> i don't think anybody i work with listen to my podcast so um i am trying to find another job so I'll, people keep telling me that i should um work for a startup because i think you know we have a lot of uh, the same like I don't want to say interest, but I guess work ethics or like how we function. Um, Cause I'm all over the place and into a lot of different things and knowledgeable in a lot of different areas. So um, one of my colleagues, friends told her, she's like, Carlos is too smart to be working um, here. He needs to go find, you know, a startup to work for. So I was like, well, how the hell do I find a startup <laughs> Kickstarter? Maybe I should go to Kickstarter and see if they're hiring um, different, reach out to different people. But how did you find your job at Canopy? I found it in the most conventional way possible. I just found it on LinkedIn. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I had set up an alert where I was just kind of like entertaining the idea of moving into products. Mm-hmm. So I had an alert for like, I wanted a role as a technical product manager specifically because I wanted to maintain like that technical aspect. I wanted to be fully remote. Um, ideally I wanted to stay in fintech cause that was kind of like my experience background. I wanted to expand upon that. And I think I set the filter for like on LinkedIn, you can set the company size. Mm-hmm. I think I said like less than 50, uh, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, and then I just, uh, turned the alert on and, you know, would get an email. I think it's daily or weekly, something like yes, that. Yes, it's daily. Yeah. yeah. I get them. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah, but the other place, like if, you know, you're not seeing it on LinkedIn, um, I know another good one is it used to be called AngelList. I think they rebranded to WellFound. Okay. I know a lot of the people that work at my company now originally found them through what was AngelList and now WellFound, which is a very popular platform for startup position so mm. looking on there it's a, okay. a good place to look i have to check that out um later tonight yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up yeah so going back to because uh, i was kind of like all over the place with that question what does the day in the job look like for you at a startup Yeah. So, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said I'm always doing different things and it really, really does vary day to day, which I love because if I was doing the same thing every single day, I'd get bored. Um, So I'll kind of start back, like say we are like doing our quarterly planning, like, you know, there's the strategy and future vision aspect to product management in which we're like, okay, here are the company goals for this quarter. How is the product going to evolve to fit these things? Like, what are the things we're going to do to our product to expand the company in the direction that we want to go as per our our OKR, as we go by an OKR system? Um, For anyone that's not familiar, it's objective and key results, like a very popular success metric measuring um, framework for companies. And so we'll look at and say, okay, the objective is to 
onboard X more customers? Okay, from a product perspective, what are the things that we can do to expand that objective? So what we have is like, we have a whole backlog of possible features and products that we've gathered throughout time. And that can come from internal ideas that comes from, you know, customers literally requesting products or features that can come from just being on a call with them and listening to them, um, you know, mentioning different pain points that occur in their job. It can be from changes in the industry that we know we need to keep up with. And so looking at that backlog and going, um, okay, how can we rank and prioritize this to know what's going to make the most impact to the overall company goals? And there's lots of different products prioritization frameworks. We personally use one called RICE, which stands for reach, impact, confidence, and effort. Um, so we're really looking mm -hmm. at like what, how many customers is this going to reach? What's the impact to them going to be? It's like, oh, it's kind of helpful or like this is like game changing type product. Um, mm -hmm. How confident are we in those estimates? And then dividing that over What's the effort it's going to take to get there? So that's it's you plug all those numbers in and then it spits out, you know, it's a formula. So it spits out a number and then you can kind of rank things that way. Um, but you can't just take that at face value. So as a product person, you can look at like your rice score and kind of combine that with your overall intuition and just what you know about the industry and what you know about your customers and say, OK, here are the main things that we're going to work on as a team or as a company this quarter where they're going to roll out this brand new product or this feature or these enhancements, whatever it may be. Um, so that's kind of like one aspect of my job. It's going to be, you know, the quarter's ending at the end of the month. So I'll be doing that pretty soon here, <laughs> which is always fun. Um, but, you know, once we've decided, say, uh, you know, we're going to work on this brand new big product now it's up to me to do the research and validation. Like, what's the evidence behind it? Why are we doing it? How is this going to help the customer? How is this going to drive the business? What's the scope? What is it going to include? You know, say we're launching a, you know, we're not, but say we're launching a brand new website. What's going to be included in that? Um, mm -hmm. What's the time frame we're going to do it in? If we're going to do it in a six-week period, we're not going to be able to fit the world you know, the entire future state into that product in a six week time frame. So again, kind of breaking up all of the features that could possibly go into it, ranking them again, figuring out the roadmap for that particular product. Like, okay, this first iteration of it, we want to have a really lean scope, you know, especially as a startup, you have to be very cognizant of where your resources and effort and money are going. So it's mm -hmm. like, what is the what are the features that we can include in this that will really give us the most bang for our buck and will give us that validation that this is something worth pursuing so that's a huge part of product um and then of course you know once we build it out and all of that it's also on us to measure the success and monitor the usage and the metrics um, in my particular role i also work with like the design team and the marketing team to like work on the front end, what it's going to look like. And then once it goes out, how are we going to market it? What are the demos we're going to do? What's the marketing content? 
blogs, videos, whatever it may be. So really, really varies from day to day. <laughs> I love. Yeah. And I guess the last thing I'll say on that is, you know, perhaps we decide that, you know, we think this new product, like this brand new product is going to be something that really drives the business, but we don't have a ton of validation behind it mm-hmm. or conviction, especially um, for a company like the one I'm at right now. We're a B2B, so we sell to other businesses. Um, sometimes it's great when you work in a consumer industry because you have tons and tons of data typically to work with. B2B industry, you have to make decisions with low data sets. And sometimes that's really hard to do. And you don't want to completely put all of your eggs in one basket and put all the engineers on it. So, you know, getting into your question earlier, like, how do I keep my technical skills sharp? So that's a lot of the time where it'll fall in. It's like, okay, well, let's not go all in with engineering resources. Let's run an experiment. Let's create a prototype. Let's you know, get some kind of low code version out there, which, mm-hmm. you know, usually I'll like kind of tinker with and put together, try and get it in front of customers, mm-hmm. get some user tester testing going, um, get their feedback on it. And so that's always a super fun part for me where I get to do that, like yeah. play builder yeah. again for a little bit. <laughs> I think there was a perfect <laughs> example to, like you said, the question that I asked um, earlier. So, yeah, that is definitely... Uh, a lot um it's almost like you're running your own business yourself um in a sense because you're doing so much but uh because i definitely have to do a a lot of different things um do you find yourself learning a lot in your current role or just like expanding upon the things that you already know and learning a lot of new things with you having to wear so many hats absolutely and i don't think i would be satisfied in a role where i wasn't doing that Mm-hmm. So I do think that played a lot into, you know, m- part of why I wanted to switch from my last role was I was, I felt pretty secure there, um, mm-hmm. but I, I felt way too comfortable. I'm like, I knew what I, was, I would come in every day. I knew what I was doing. There wasn't so much of a challenge anymore. So mm-hmm. I wanted to go somewhere that was out of my comfort zone. That was going to push me. That was going to force me to learn new things and going through even just the interview process. I was like, wow, these people are super, super smart. (laughs) And I'm like, so everyone I work with is genuinely like incredibly, incredibly intelligent. So Mm -hmm. I'm learning new stuff every day and it's, you know, across the board, all the different things that I'm touching. But, you know, like I said, this is my very first truly just pure product role. Mm-hmm. So the amount that I learned from my team members on just like, I don't know what the, the word I'm looking for is exactly um, like refining, I guess, like my product okay. knowledge mm-hmm. and, and there's a certain word I'm looking for and it's just slipping my brain at the moment. I'll, I'll let you know if it comes back. To <laughs> okay. me, but, um, but yeah, so they, just refining my product knowledge from them is every, every single day I learn just an immense amount from them, just tweaking everything that I do and the way I think about things and the way I present and even the, all the way down to the way that I communicate. So 
yeah, there isn't a day that I don't learn something new. <laughs> which I, yeah, I, it's one of my favorite parts because I would be very mm -hmm. bored if I didn't. Let me ask you this. Um, so I feel like it's not even, I feel like there, there is only so much room at the top for like management positions. So after you reach a certain level in your career, like a senior designer or developer or instructional designer or whatever, um, how do you think companies can, I guess, create employee satisfaction or value um, without giving raises or without it being a monetary thing? Because a lot of times employers don't want to give raises. Like I get a 3% raise um, the past two years, but it's like, okay, I can go buy a couple of steak dinners and, you know, it's not, it's not a lot after it get, gets taxed. So how can how do you think that you can I guess make employees feel good about themselves and working at a company um when finances or money is a a restriction That is an excellent question so one of the rabbit holes I've recently gone down is like the Myers-Briggs personality testing which mm -hmm. I always kind of thought was like fluff and the, but I actually went down the rabbit hole because I, so I was either reading an article or seeing a video where it was like this ex CIA agent, agent was talking about how the CIA used to do Myers Briggs personality tests on the people that they were studying that they actually felt it was a at least somewhat reliable source for like getting into the psychological mindset of other people. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of went down that rabbit hole and I took the test myself just out of curiosity. And I like, I'm reading the results and I'm like, get out of my head. This is <laughs> wild. So I started getting into like, just understanding the psychology of other people. And so like understanding what motivates your employees it's not going to be the same thing for everyone, Like you can't just slap a label on and say, everyone gets vacation everyone gets this you know different people are motivated by different things and even if you look at so like it's very similar to any other relationships like if you have a significant other um i don't know if anyone listening has heard of the five love languages oh i've heard of it yeah like the theory if anyone hasn't heard of it is that um there are five different ways in which people receive love and feel loved um it could be like physical touch words of affirmation quality time presence um i think there's one other one but the idea is that everyone is motivated and feels loved by different things it's not everyone not everyone is going to receive a present and say okay i feel loved it's very similar when you're working with employees not every employee you send them you know a cake or something and they're going to be they're going to feel appreciated so it's, you know kind of um, correlate and tie into each other. So if you actually take the time to like get to know your employees and the people that you work with and understand what motivates them and what makes them feel good and appreciated and happy, if I think if you take that time, you would have much more satisfied employees. So, mm -hmm. you know, some people, you know, maybe you can, it is still monetary, but like just giving them a little gift card. Um, yeah. So one thing my company did recently on employee appreciation day was they were fully remote, but they mailed us all 
little Starbucks gift cards with like a cute little card that said, I don't remember what it said exactly, but it was like a little pun about like coffee and like appreciating you or, you know, something to that effect. Okay. Like, you know, it, it was such a, it's like a small amount, like, you know, coffee is not that expensive, but yeah. it's the thought. So I'm sure for some people that was like, oh my gosh, that was the nicest thing ever. You know, I certainly thought that um, for other folks, it might just be being recognized. Mm -hmm. Like saying, you know, hey, I noticed you went above and beyond today. That was incredible. Like, I just really, really want to thank you for how hard you've been working. Um, people want to feel like they are doing something that matters. No one mm -hmm. wants to work for eight, nine, 10 hours a day and just feel like it's just getting thrown away or overlooked or you know whatever right. it may be um for other folks it might be just challenging problems mm -hmm. uh, for me personally it's like challenging problems that i can apply creativity to so like just give me a big problem space and like let me go run free yeah and, and that's definitely motivating for me <laughs> so that was a really long answer to say get to actually like take the time to know people and, and know what makes them feel appreciated. Yeah. No, I think that's great because I, when you were talking, I was thinking about the the love language. I was like, well, maybe companies should just like have employees go and take that and then just come back and like see what their love language is. And like, yeah. this is what makes me happy because there is an online test for that. I, I'm pretty sure because I think I took it online. I can't remember I, what I mean, was, but it wasn't gifts. Best. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know mine's wasn't gifts. I think it was like um, affirmations. It, it it was something more intrinsic, like something about like me as a person, more personable, and not necessarily the um, gifts and stuff. Um, yeah. Same. So I, yeah, gifts ranked the lowest for me. Yeah. My husband's always trying to like get out of it, and he's like, "Oh, I, I bought this for you." <laughs> Thank you. Does not like yeah. gifts. Are, like, okay, that's, you know, thank you for the thought, but, you know, it's not really. Right, yeah. I could go without yeah. him. You could buy me no gifts ever, and I probably wouldn't even notice. Yeah, yeah. Especially in today's day and age, you know, I think people have so much now that it's it's just kind of, I don't know. Like, when I think about kids and video games, it's something that I had to wait for Christmas time to get, and now you just go and buy an Xbox or a PlayStation just because you want one, you know, so when it it was more of a, okay, this is your big Christmas gift. Santa's working hard to get this for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so gifts definitely don't don't really do it for me. Um, I do want to ask you, like, what what do you, would you say are some things that you like and things that you don't necessarily like about um, coding or being a software engineer? Ooh. Some things I like is definitely, you know, like I just said, I'm like, give me a big problem and just let me run wild. Anything I can like mm -hmm. tinker with and build and is like a challenge to solve. Love it, which is a lot of coding. It's like, hey, how am I going to accomplish <laughs> this thing? Um, so love that part. The part I didn't love is I, no matter how far I got in my career, no matter how comfortable I felt in a certain framework or language or whatever it may be, I always had this imposter syndrome that I wasn't doing mm. things the right way. I hated people looking at my code. 
no matter how much I was like, I, I, this, I think this is probably the most efficient way I could possibly do this. I was like, anytime someone would look at my code, I'm like, I don't know. I just have this thing in the back of my head that it was like, this isn't enough or they're going to think I'm dumb or, you know what I mean? And I, I hated that feeling all the time. So mm. that's probably the number one thing that I do not miss. That's so good. I think the imposter syndrome is something that's been around for a while and well, not probably. I mean, it has been around, I guess, since everybody has, since jobs have existed, but I think the name, I don't know how long the name has actually been around or if it was just given a name. Um, but I think a lot of us have that feeling like, um, is this my best? <laughs> you know? So, um, I think with coding, that can be a big hurdle to get over sometimes because there is no real, I guess, right way because it's like clean coding and like all these different things. And with coding, it's just not one way of coding something. Like there's all these different variables. And so, yeah, I could definitely see that in that in that field. Um, what would you say are the biggest skills that you would need as a software engineer? It depends. So software engineering is such a broad term. Uh, yeah. You could go into like so many different niche areas. So even me, I was a full stack software engineer. So I did back end coding and front end. And even with that, there are so many different routes to go. It's so like, what frameworks are you going to use? And which language are you going to use? Mm. And that sort of thing. But um, I think the the biggest skill that you can acquire is just problem solving and critical thinking okay. so regardless of the language or the framework or you know whatever it may be whatever route you go your ability to think through big problems and break it down into logical pieces and be able to picture and figure out how those things are going to work together to get to your end goal like if you can think through a problem yeah. In the right way. Like that's agnostic of any language that you're going to use. Like you can figure out syntax. You can Google how to mm -hmm. accomplish this thing in a specific language. But if you memorize an entire programming language, but you still don't have the ability to think through how to break down and solve that problem. Yeah. Not going to get you anywhere. And I know that's kind of a, tough answer because that's probably the hardest thing to learn because you can't just go take a like a <laughs> learning, about learning course problem. yeah <laughs> it's just kind of a something you got to learn through time and get better yeah. at with experience so yeah it's kind of a sucky answer but it, it that's definitely my number one answer no i think that's great because um i'm, I'm doing some stuff with CompTIA and america's America succeeds on durable skills, and it's just their way of renaming um, soft skills. So durable skills because you can take them with you from any job. Um, but I think that was a like a perfect answer because um, I see a lot of articles on um, like my Google newsfeed and LinkedIn about um, soft skills and how they're becoming more important in job roles now, and that's one of the top things that uh, recruiters are looking at for or looking at when they're looking at applicants resumes and applications um is are those soft skills 
So I think that's a, a really good um, thing to point out there, because like you said, you could have the technical skills, but if you don't have like those critical thinking skills and, and being able to figure out, you know, well, how can I condense this coding or, you know, how can I use coding to alleviate or fix this problem? Um, then it kind of really doesn't matter <laughs> unless somebody just tells you what to do, you know, um, but most employers don't want to tell you what to do. They want you to go in there, do it, and figure it out yourself. So, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, were you about to say something? Oh no, no. Go ahead. Oh, so I know we're coming up on um, our hour, but I got a couple more questions I want to run through really quick, and you can just answer them really quickly. Um, so, is there a time um, that you've had a uh, a boss or a coworker? who have um, helped you out in your career or is there a story or instance where they kind to, <coughs> excuse me, or is there a time or an instance where they've kind of tried to hold you back? Um, I can't actually think of anywhere anyone's tried to hold me back. I've been super fortunate with the coworkers and the, the managers that I've had. I don't know that I've had a bad one. I've been knock on wood, super, super lucky. Um, Everyone that I've worked with, I've gotten really close with, you know, a few of the people that I've worked with in my past and Mm -hmm. I can't thank them enough, like immensely helpful, Um, always going out of their way to help. And I think that's like bi-directional. I've gotten really close with a couple of the engineers that I worked with over time. And, you know, when you work together for a number of years, you learn these are things I'm good at. Like I know my weaknesses, mm-hmm. I know my strengths, I know their weaknesses, I know their strengths and vice versa. Um, especially in my last role. And even though the one before that, um, I was really good friends with one person in particular where we just worked so well together because we knew our strengths and weaknesses and we're mm-hmm. always willing to like, Hey, I know this isn't your thing. Like, let me help you out there. You help me out here. And yeah, that's just been kind of a, a common theme in my career that I've just gotten very fortunate with the people I've worked with that we've been able to help each other out. I think. For you, was that a natural relationship that you, you built or is there some type of advice that you can give people to um, help foster those type of relationships within their teams? Because I don't think that a lot of people do that. I'm not going to say a lot, but I think that there's something where a lot of teams can improve upon. So I don't know that it came like super naturally, especially for me, like being a girl in tech, mm. all my coworkers are always, not always, always, but typically 99% of the time men. So mm. there's always that little bit of a thing, like, I don't know, is this weird that I'm friends with you? You know, is this, you know, how much <laughs> right, are yeah. we able to be friends without it? Like being kind of weird or awkward or uncomfortable in some way. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it just comes a over time. And B, just being super genuine. Um, so I personally have a hard time. Like, I, if, I forget what the, the saying is, but like my my face has no inside voice. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you always know how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. It's just like it's written all over my face. I can't hide it. And I've learned that over time. So I'm like, I don't even try anymore. I'm just like an open book. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people try and hide like, oh, I feel like I have imposter syndrome. Just like I'm very open. I'm like, hey, 
I feel stupid right now. Can you please help me? <laughs> and I think being vulnerable with people, you know, makes them, everyone's got insecurities. And once you realize right. that and you're able to share your own, it makes other people willing to share their own. And then it kind of forms that mutual trust and um, just bond, I guess, where you feel more comfortable helping each mm -hmm. other out and just being actual, like genuine friends. Yeah. What is one of your greatest successes in your career up until this point? Oh, wow. That is really, really tough. Um, so many to choose from, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's like, I, it's hard to say what is like my number one thing that I would um, say is like the highlight because there are a variety of things that I'm like proud of, but in like, very different ways. Mm -hmm. um, I, like right now, like if I had to answer today, I would say probably moving <laughs> into product and okay. um, more of like a personal intrinsic aspect of like, I was scared. I yeah. was so afraid to like jump careers, jump companies, go from somewhere I was secure to a series, a startup. Like, so for me to have grown to the point where I'm like, I'm afraid of this thing, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to get out of my mm -hmm. comfort. I'm going to go like max discomfort zone. Like <laughs> I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that's a, a big thing to be proud of because, um, stars, startups are very volatile. You know, a lot of people have startups and they aren't successful. And so, you know, leaving the comfort and security of a, you know, Fortune 500 company or a big company or an established business and going to a startup, I, that, that takes a lot, um, you know, for anybody. You know, I know in most cases or in a lot of cases, start, startups pay you a lot of money, but still, you know, you got to worry about insurance and just like all these other different things. And depending on how many people are at the startup at the time that you go, you might have to work some long, crazy hours until they hire more people and get more funding to hire. So it's it's a lot to take into consideration with a startup. So I definitely, um, I definitely think that's a a big one. Um, and so wrapping up here, just to to ask a few, I guess, more lighthearted questions. What are some things that you do for self care? I know you work out a lot, but are there some other things that you do for self care? largely work out so anytime okay. i'm like stressed out it's it's definitely mma is my my go-to it's hard to be upset or stressed after you've just gotten punched <laughs> in the face yeah. for an hour straight you're like nothing can bother me now it's impossible to make me angry at this point <laughs> um on the complete opposite end of the spectrum i've been trying to meditate for years now i'm still mm. absolutely awful at it but <laughs> That's, that's trying to find my balance. So yeah, MMA and meditation, I would say are my okay. go-tos. <laughs> okay. Um, what is the weirdest question or the most hated question that you have heard or don't like to be asked in an interview? Uh, oh, in an interview. I thought if you were going to say like in general, I'm just not like a big small talk person okay which i know is like i don't know if i was like i probably shouldn't <laughs> I'm say not either. 
Yeah, like I, you know, as a product person, we're supposed to go out and talk to people, which I do love talking to people, but I like having like very deep, interesting conversations that are, you know, talking about just whatever that's interesting. I can't stand like, hey, how's your day going? How's the weather? Like, like it kind of just feels like fluff. Like no one actually, I don't like questions where it's like, I can tell you don't actually care care yeah you're just asking because it's like you're supposed to yeah so i don't know if that's that's not really specific to an interview but uh that works i guess we can well for me personally i don't like the tell me about yourself question because i could talk an Mm. hour like that i hate that question um and then just kind of like what do you want to know because i feel like i'm so like into everything it's just kind of like um i don't know so i hate that question um, when, when I have to ask, answer that one in an interview. That's a great answer. I'm going to steal that now. I just say ditto. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, when you're working out, what can we find on your playlist? It oh depends on the day. I okay. have the most ridiculously variety of a playlist. <laughs> you can find literally everything from like hardcore heavy metal to classical music and i'm not joking Uh, everything in between rap hip-hop pop (laughs) r&b everything i do i do not discriminate okay (laughs) all music just depends on my mood that day right i got you um okay so what i want to do and i'm I'm gonna have to go ahead and do this um is i want everybody to submit a song and i'm gonna create a Spotify mm. playlist of the um of the guests for like every year. So um that's something that I'm working on. So you have to send me a, a song choice to put on the um playlist. Okay. Uh yeah. Can, am I allowed to think about it for a minute? I don't wanna yeah, just Yeah, yeah, you don't have to okay. do it now. Like yeah, I haven't really I've just mentioned it to people, but I haven't actually, you know, sent an email or anything out. Um but yeah, you can think about it and I'll try to work on that sometime this month or next month. Um, yeah, so I'm going to ask you five of this or that questions and you give me your best answer. Okay. Would you rather travel alone or travel with friends? Alone. Okay. Would you rather lose all your teeth or lose all your hair? Ooh. Uh, my, te- <laughs> my teeth? I get dentures <laughs> or veneers or something. <laughs> Work out at home or work out at the gym? Oh, at the gym all day. Would you rather try and survive a zombie outbreak or an alien invasion? A zombie outbreak just because I watched all of The Walking Dead, so I feel pretty <laughs> confident that I'd make it. I was thinking zombie just because I was like, I don't know what type of technology the um, aliens would have. Exactly. I have no plan if aliens come. Zombie apocalypse, <laughs> I've got a whole, I, I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, last one. Saturdays or Sundays? Oh, Saturdays. Yeah. What kind of crazy sure. person saying Sunday? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's the day before you have to go back to work. I don't, I don't hey. know about that one. Um, so is there anything that you want to leave the guests with or um, tell the guests before we wrap it up here? I think we pretty much covered it. Um, I guess the last thing I'll just say is um, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Always happy to to help where I can. So you can find okay. me on there. 
All right, and I'll link your um LinkedIn profile in the description, the the video description, and all that good stuff, so they can access you there. Um, I appreciate appreciate you coming on the show. Um, so it was, it was nice getting to. I know we talked, chatted back and forth here a little bit before the show started, um, but it was nice to actually have you on the show and get to know a little bit more about you today. So thanks again for coming on the show. I hope you enjoy the rest of your night. Oh, thank you very much for having me. All right. Bye-bye. See ya.